Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And for today's Church Planner podcast, what Peyton and I decided to do is that we would give you a little taste of our Band of Brothers call, which is a monthly call that we do for those that are in the Jump School training program. And uh, on the training program, we've got church planners from literally all over the world who go through it, and uh, they get to show up on our monthly call and ask any question that they've got about church planning or they can email us their questions. And so we just thought we'd give you some of this last week's call because uh, some of the questions uh, that the guys asked were really good, and we thought you would benefit from hearing it. If you'd like to know more about Jump School Training, head on over to jumpschooltraining.com, and uh, you'll find all about the program. Thanks so much. Jerry, you're on too, right? Yeah, what's going on, man? How are you? Where are you? We're in the world of Jerry McCarty. Oh, and hey, happy St. Patrick's Day. It's your day. It's your people. That's right, man. <laughs> My middle name is Patrick. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're a JP. I dig it. Yeah. But yeah, I just got back from Haiti late last night. Flew back from Port-au-Prince and Back in Jersey now for one week before heading off to Europe. Nice, man. Nice. So, uh, very cool. So, Port-au-Prince, huh? Yeah. Yep. There with the uh, Serve the City team. And uh, they have a lot of pretty awesome people. <sighs> a lot of good ministries happening there. And they have partnerships with Teen Challenge and a lot of local churches. And they're all coming together and addressing a lot of the kids who live on the street and they have this really cool big Easter thing that's going to be coming up where they're making, they're doing a 
community dinner on the street for people and setting up tables and wow. inviting all the kids who live on the street. And it's pretty awesome. So there's some great stuff going on. That's there. cool. That's very yeah. cool, man. And then all the churches are kind of working with service city. Is that right? Yeah, they have, they have, uh, they have just a, yeah, a really great relationship locally. So people are jumping in so and, cool. you know, teams are bringing out a bunch of volunteers to help out. And yeah, it's cool to see. Perfect, man. That's, that's so hot. Well, cool. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and, um, get into our, uh, Oh, Hey, where are you going in Europe? By the way, are you heading back to Brussels? Yeah. I'll be heading back to Brussels and that'll be kind of home base for the next two months. And, uh, there's a couple different places that we're going to be traveling to. Uh, one is Romania to a city called Timisoara. And then there's, uh, we just had Serve the City start up in uh, uh, Helsinki, Finland, and London, England. And so those wow. are two possibilities to be able to go and kind of help them be encouraged and get set up and all that kind of stuff. So some cool stuff's coming together. Cool. Uh, it's neat, man. Very neat. Well, cool. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get into the call. And uh, what what are your burning questions today? Who to vote for? <laughs> <laughs> Who should I vote for? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you asked that. Oh man, what a mess, huh? <laughs> what a mess. I vote oh, Obi Wan Kenobi. He is our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That was good. <laughs> hey, I actually have a question, and I wrote it down last time, um, but I didn't ask it. And so uh, I'll read the question because I wrote it down, and then if I need to specify anything, let me know. So I put, what are the most important focuses for starting to practice church life together? And what does that look like on a calendar? And so mm. part, I think part of the motivation for asking this is kind of like coming from, you know, small group versus Sunday morning service versus mission versus, you know, all these different kind of practices that we could be doing, you know, but as far as important focuses to start with, as far as practice yeah. and on a calendar, you know, what... I know that's going to look different for a lot of different communities, but what what would be maybe some of your recommendations to start with? So it's interesting because if this is a great question, Jerry, and if and if I can, I'd like to put it in a church planning context because one of yeah, the yeah. one of the things that's very difficult with starting up, say, a um, trying to reinvent an established church that can be difficult. It's not impossible. Um, particularly if you've got, you know, a church like Andrew, um, you know, he's got a church around a hundred people. It's much easier, the smaller it is, but, but what's great about a church plant is you get to write the DNA, the DNA of, um, an established church is already there. And if the church has been around for a while, um, it's not that the DNA can't be spliced. It can, but it takes a very skilled leadership to, to share with the body. This is what we're going to do. And this is why. And for an established congregation, you have to put it in the context of, of, of the answer to the question. So you asked, what was the most important? 
So you have to give that as the rationale. And the most important thing is mission. You can you can get Christians to argue about church preferences to the blue in the face. If you have charismatic people, they're going to tell you what church ought to be like. If you have reformed people, they're going to tell you what church ought to be like. If you have missionaries in your church, they're going to tell you what church ought to be like. The only thing that you can really uh, get everyone on board with is mission. And so um, if you can tell people, look, we're going to reach the community that we're in. So, for example, people, uh, you, you know how it is. If a church meets in a neighborhood, there are people driving maybe, you know, 100, 200, maybe a couple thousand people, if it's a bigger church, driving through a neighborhood that never gets reached. In other words, the church is like a, a rock in the stream. The, uh, the, the, the water eventually over time will erode that uh, rock, in other words, the stream of culture and people and houses coming and going, they'll just bypass the church. They'll drive around the church in the same way, but never to the church, in the same way that the people going to the church will drive past the rows of houses. But if, if you as a leader could tell that congregation, look, guys, we have been having very little impact on our community, and we need to do something different. The reason the community doesn't change is because the church doesn't change. If the church would change, the community around us would change. And so we are the salt, we are the light, and we have a responsibility. So I would, and and of course, part of my apostolic gene says that when you put me in the church, in any church, in any group of people, I catalyze people towards mission because that's what apostolic giftings are for. It's catalyzing the people of God to mission, and it is also you lead the way. You get out yourself, and you do risky, daring things. You're like a a splinter cell commando, but you're really more like the dirty dozen, where you always have a team with you. You thrive in teams, so you you delight in going on mission, but unlike an evangelist who can go by himself, um, the apostle has to have people with him, kind of like Paul. Right, Paul had to have Barnabas and John Mark, and on a second journey, he picks up Silas and Timothy and Epaphroditus and uh, Titus, and you know you're always gathering people to take on mission because you're catalyzing people all the time. So, so for an established church, mission, and now let's move forward to a church plant and answer the question because for a church plant, um, you so so if you go in with any other reason, uh, it's not going to work. Right, mission is what makes people realize if I need to change, it's, it's to reach more lost people. I'll do that. So if, oh, and by the way, as a side note, if you're looking at a bunch of people who feel that the world ought to change to come to God, and that's often historically what's happened is the church says, no, this is God. These are the things of God. Um, you know, the mountain must come to us. You know, kind of like the old, if, if, if the mountain won't come to Muhammad, then Muhammad must go to the mountain. Um, the church often says the mountain must come to us. The problem with that is the mountain's not going to come to you. The world's not going to, you know, two guys down at the bar are going to be sitting there, you know, out at the nightclub, whatever, partying. And suddenly one of them says, hey, you know what, man, this is fun. But you know what I heard? I heard that down at that church down the street, they got a crack and worship man, man, and they do funny videos before the sermon. 
And, and I hear the, the worship's quite contemporary. And uh, they have strobe lights. The other guy's not going to set his drink down and go, no way. Are you kidding? In church? <laughs> I never would have thought that. Let's go check that out. Maybe in some cheesy 80s educational video, something like that might have unfolded. But that's not going to happen today. And so, again, for a church plant, it's the same mission. And I'll tell you a story about, about some church plants that I've done and, uh, and how they work out. I always like to start with um, Pillar in the UK <clears throat> because that is a classic example because I wasn't trying to plant a church. I was literally just trying to reach lost people. And I told God, I'll do it, but one night only because I quit. I told God, I don't want to work for you anymore. Your people suck. And I hate church. And, uh, but I like lost people and I like being around them and I like reaching people. Well, you know, changed my tune since then, but, uh, you know, you, you come out with things like that when you've been hurt. And, uh, so anyways, what happened was we put mission first. Now we did not know that, that we were being smart. In other words, it was after reading the scripture, after we were doing what we were doing and it was bearing fruit that we realized, oh, holy crap, you know, we're actually doing what's in the scripture. So what we did was we started this discussion group in the Starbucks, and it was mission. And what happens when you put people on mission? Michael Frost gave a talk at Exponential um, maybe two years ago where he talked about they were in Australia, and a bunch of them were strangers, and they'd been at some conference, and they all decided to go out and get some food together and hear some music. And he said this guy was annoying. And they went to this place. It was like a secret nightclub on top of a construction site on a high rise. It was, you know, getting renovated or built. And so they walk out onto the, the penthouse and, uh, and they just had a gospel conversation with this guy. And he said in the middle of that, he goes, this American guy that all the way uh, walking to find this place using our sat nav had been annoying the crap out of me. He goes, suddenly as we began to share the gospel, he goes, this guy that had been an annoyance to me suddenly became my brother. And he goes, there's something about being on mission together that creates family. And I argue this in church zero. I argue that when you have people on mission, actually, wait, no, (laughs) I'm getting my books confused. I have a book coming out and it's in this, in this next book. I argue in this next book that when you put people on mission, everything else makes sense. So, for example, when I used to take um, my youth group overseas, I would take them to uh, mission trips. And and prior to that, in my youth group, they wouldn't read, they wouldn't pray, they wouldn't give, they would barely attend. And then I took them on a mission trip. And when they began to see people come to faith and they began to feel the spirit coursing through them, their gifts came awake and they began to lead people to Jesus on foreign soil. When they got back, they came back different. They were changed. They were not the same kids. And what happened now is I I remember being on the mission and watching them praying in the morning, watching them read their Bibles, watching them when they get back, join mission societies and start giving and asking me, hey, can we do a 30-hour famine in the youth group? I remember realizing these kids, mission changed them. Mission brought something out of them. Now I didn't have to tell them to read their Bible because they knew why that was important. 
they had to stand there and give answers to people, right? They were trying to figure it out now because suddenly Christianity had a context. Christianity is a mission faith. We are a proselytic religion. If you strip mission out of Christianity, which is what I would argue the average church in America does today, they strip mission out. Um, they strip the front line out of it. They strip the danger element, the risk factor, the, the, the faith factor, um, the boldness, taking bold, risky steps of faith. When you take that out of Christianity, Christianity is a dry, hollow husk of what it was meant to be. And that's where our young people don't believe in anymore. Jerry, you're with Serve the City. If I take any kid, and it doesn't matter if he's lost or if he's a church kid, and I take him to serve the city, and he sets up in anywhere in the world in a needy neighborhood, he sets up a table with a bunch of food on it and calls a feast together as an embodiment of the parables and the gospel and grace, that kid suddenly gets Christianity. Gets it. Hmm. Then he looks at the people next to him, and he goes, this is my family. We do this together. We are bonded. We are one. There's something about mission that brings people together like nothing else. Now, okay, so, so if, I'm, if I'm a church plant, that's the first thing I'm going to do. Just like Paul, when he rolls through a place in the book of Acts, he doesn't roll into a city and start a church. So first thing I have to deprogram church planters of when I'm training them, Paul did not plant churches when he got to a city, he didn't pick a name. He didn't pick a sexy logo. He didn't pick a location. He didn't build a website to attract people. Paul went out and he went on a mission. He went into the marketplace. He evangelized. And once he had people saved, there was a need for a church. And all he did was meet with them in a small group or a bigger group. It didn't matter. But he would meet with them outside of the mission and there he would teach them. They would teach him about baptism, communion, um, prayer, uh, studying the scripture and dialoguing. Those things come next. And so there's that nurture uh, that has to happen. And, and I would say um, those things. Um, eating together. So when, when I plan a church, we start with mission. We tell them church is back to front. If you come with us, you thought of... Sunday morning as the believer's time where you get built up. And I'm like, scrap that. There's another thing we, we deprogram Christians up. Sundays are mission, right? So we're missions. That's why we're doing street church. That's why we're eating breakfast as a community out in public. That's so that what you guys are doing to serve the city. That would be every Sunday for us. Or, you know, alternatively, <coughs> once a month, we go and do a giant barbecue and feed a couple hundred people in Bixby Park, Long Beach, it's, you know, the, the heart of the city. So we do that, and, and we build, that's mission for us. I teach my people how to have gospel conversations out of that. Everybody gets activated, right? You're, you're there with a plate of food in your hand, but you're striking up a conversation. You're on mission. You can't help go to Refuge Long Beach or any, any church on the planet and not be on mission. When we, were, when we started out of the Starbucks, um, we start around coffee tables. And because we start around coffee tables, uh, in Starbucks, by the way, when we moved, the only reason we moved was because people needed to know how to worship. guy came up to me and said, hey, I'm singing Spirit in the Sky by Doc and the Medics. Uh, 
in my shower and I think I'm worshiping. Am I doing it right? So went back to my team and said, Hey guys, I think, I think we need to move out of Starbucks because these guys don't know how to worship and we're kind of robbing them by not giving them that. So then we started uh, moving out so they could worship, but we kept on mission. So we would do things out in the community. Um, We would, it didn't matter. We would go mow lawns and trim hedges for cancer victims. We met with the mayor. We said, what are the needs in the cities? Well, we got single moms who, uh, you know, they don't know how to make food for their kids. So uh, uh, they're, they're feeding them like, you know, hot dogs every night. These kids are getting malnourished. We're like, boom, we got two chefs in the church. We'll throw down a cooking class for free for all these single moms um, living on the dole. Uh, boom, boom, boom. So we kept on mission and we found that as we did that, people were discipled and, and our church didn't have all the, the crappy problems that you have when you're not on mission. See, it's kind of like a, a group of soldiers. If you put a group of soldiers together, they're going to get up to trouble if they sit idle. That's why the military knows to drill those soldiers. That's why the military knows to keep them busy. You know, that's why the, mil- the military, they are a master at keeping people busy so that the, the, the troop, the, the, the platoon does not fall into a disorderly rabble because men, because they got so much testosterone, you have to give them something to do. They have to drill. They have to run. They have to fight. They got to get that energy out. So it's the same with Christians, same with the church. If you don't get them on mission, they fall, they start fighting. They start getting punchy. So one of the things you'll notice about a church on mission is they're excited. The, the vibe is that they're just excited to go to church. They're excited to see lives change. They're excited to be a part, you know. And, and so when we moved out of uh, Starbucks and we got into uh, a community center, we kept the coffee tables because we believed that if we do that, then everybody still gets to be on mission. We may not be in the Starbucks, but we're still bringing people from that meeting. We're still bringing people from our lives, and they're coming in, and everybody who's sitting at a coffee table gets to witness, gets to be on mission. And that's exactly how it worked out. You know, you might have a guy in your discussion group who took the lead in that discussion, because you're not that comfortable, but you would chime in. You would be a part of that. You, you could say something. Well, you know, in my life, what, boom, boom, boom. And it just awakens Christians. And of course, I've been arguing in this for years, but again, it does bring the family um, aspect. And suddenly, like, like a troop, you need, the, the, there's a camaraderie that comes. There's a brotherhood and a sisterhood it forms when you're on mission, just like a soldier troop. It's the same dynamics, except because the Holy Spirit, and, and here's this is all from my next book, because the Holy Spirit rises to the surface in a Christian, you know, we talk about being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is for mission. Being filled with the Spirit means letting the Spirit take control of every part of you. It, it's, it's like if you think of a, of a well within you, that that well is there, but it's overflowing now. And you have a flood inside of you and it's filling up every single part of your being to, to your, it's flowing from your heart outward towards your extremities. You're filled or full of the Holy Spirit. He's in ownership of everything that you do. 
And that, by the way, is for mission. So when that happens, you go on mission, it's, it's a way to stay filled in, the Holy, filled in the Holy Spirit. And as you, as you stay full of the Holy Spirit, um, then what happens is that um, uh, uh, koinonia, that, that, that Greek word that, that talks about that unity and that your unity and purpose, your unity in, uh, in mission, you're united in the mission of Christ, you're united in the purposes of God. And your 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 desires to glorify Jesus, and so that's why when when Jesus says when He comes He will glorify Me, as you're doing that and the Holy Spirit's rising, you come into that. When you come into a church that's on mission, I swear to you, there are times I walk into a room of Christians are on mission. It's like getting hit with a wall of God. It's it's the weirdest thing, man. The presence of God is palpably felt. And that's why times of revival or what? How, do, how does revival happen? It, it starts with uh, people uh, on their faces rediscovering God's grace. Once they rediscover God's grace, what happens? They go on mission. <laughs> they have to tell everyone else. And then boom, you know, the, the Holy Spirit just starts falling. And it's grace and mission, grace and mission. So I, I could break that down to the cross and the resurrection, grace and power, grace and power. But anyways, I hope that answers your question. I'm, I'm trying to be very comprehensive in my answer, but those would be the stages. Mission, small groups, and then whatever else you need from there, because I believe certain meetings need to arise out of need, not out of want. So, for example, in a church plant, uh, they might say, we need a women's study. Well, you may not need a women's study. Uh, we need a this or that. We, you may not need that. So for us, we uh, we only just started a women's study because our church is on mission. We kept saying, we're not going to do a women's study. We need our resources and energy for mission. So now all of a sudden, um, we've partnered with a women and children's shelter. And guess where we're starting a women's study? In a home full of, you know, about 20, 30 broken women and uh, with children. So our Sunday schools exploded because <laughs> we got all these children that uh, were at risk and women that were from bad situations. But I'm telling you, when when it's a women's study like no other. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the end. Yeah. Did I answer your question or is there? Yeah, that's awesome. Yes, no, that's... I'll go on forever, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. No, no, that's uh no, that's exactly what uh what I, what I was thinking over, and I think that's really good how you're talking about like out of out of that you see the strengthening of the other things that we we find also important, um, but yeah. that mission being a catalyst for that. And so, okay, so here here's kind of like just the the other the part B <laughs> part two that that I was saying before is if so if someone hears that and they're like yeah like we want to do that <laughs> we're totally on board what's what's your recommendation for like a calendar to like start that they're like okay so we have this you know we have this core team we have a we have people who are on board you know when is that just sunday mornings and go from there or what's your when you look at a month calendar well you know what would you tell a team do you mean like what time of year to start something or do you mean like how many months should I do one before I do the other? Well, I just know like a lot of times when, when a team gets together, they're like, okay, so 
you know, what parts of our week are we just really chiseling out to make sure that we are committed together during these times? You know, yeah. is it like a Sunday morning thing? You know, when do, when do we plan for that? When, when can my family plan to be committed together to do yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm going to say a couple things that are going to be very unpopular right now. Um, <laughs> surprise. Um, number one, um, missional communities. I find a lot of the missional community movement right now is very forced, um, almost at times cult-like. Uh, in other words, you know, people get disciplined for not coming to things. Hey, we noticed you weren't there, you know, almost like the stuff comes around. And I, I'm a big fan of the missional movement. Don't get me wrong. But I have noticed tendencies in some of the movements and some of the leaders that I've talked to where it becomes almost like you, you've got this ideal and you're trying to force people into it. So when you mean like, hey, you know, we're going to commit these certain times. Here's what I've learned over the years. <clears throat> as soon as you start making people feel like they're forced to do something, they're going to stop doing it because it's going to get legal and it's going to strip the organic nature out of it. You know, in, in Jerusalem, you didn't have to tell the early church to meet daily. They met daily. Why? Because 3000 people just had their lives changed and the Lord is adding daily to the number of people that were being saved. Exactly. What we're talking about the spirit of God was moving. People were getting saved. They were constantly on mission, and people were excited. What the missional community, and this in the mission, I love the missional community. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but what the missional community is facing is the same problem that established church is facing, facing right now. It has not been the silver bullet that we, have inten- that we thought it might be. Right? It wasn't the great white hope. Because what missional communities, when, when a guy comes to me for coaching, and he says, Peyton, I'm in a missional community, guess what the number one question is? How do I reach my community? So they're in missional community, trying things, and they still feel like a, a backwater, like almost like a dead end. You know, we're, we're, we're not reaching out. We're not reaching people like we thought we would. The same with uh, established churches. They're saying the same thing. And so, there's, you know, having one model over the next is not going to be the secret sauce. And I know that's not your question, but I think I just want to kind of bust that myth right now that as if if you do missional community it is going to make you effective so here's the deal when you commit to meet together this is what i believe if you make people super busy it will get hard even the most committed most diehard christian or servant or minister is going to have life hit him upside the head and you're not going to see him for a while for example i i, I have uh, a guy who called today for nine weeks straight, I train this guy. I'm training him in, let's see, 30 minutes. Um, he called me up. He's super committed. Church planner in the heart of San Diego. right? Like he is the guy in the city. Like just right there in the city. Um, doing probably the most riskiest stuff there. And he said to me this morning, he's like, bro, for nine weeks, um, I've been on my back because my, my, my whole family has gotten hit and he mentioned all the all the diseases they got hit with, um, foot and mouth disease, and, and he's like, bro, I don't know if I should continue. I can't make it. Well, that's just going to happen. And so, you know, when when we look at it, the calendar, how often should we? What I say is, don't fill up the majority of people's time with church. Make it make it what it needs to be to be good but don't make it all the time 
In other words, what you want, and this, this I was taught by my, my mentors, you want people to be hungry. You don't want people to be going, as they head out the door, I got to go again. You want people to be saying to you, can we do this more? And so what I do is I start light and I let, I let that dictate it. If it's good enough, and I always say this about prayer meetings because I, I'm a big believer in prayer meetings when I meet as a church. Our prayer meetings are awesome. That's, that's all I can say is whenever I've thrown prayer <laughs> meetings in the church plant, they're just awesome. I went back with my, uh, my team in Pillar um, two years ago, and we said, hey, let's get the band back together like the Blues Brothers. Let's play, pray for a little bit. We started at 8 p.m. We thought 45 minutes. All of us afterwards were shocked. We're like, it felt like 45 minutes. We stopped praying at 1 p.m. It had been five hours, and it felt like 45 minutes. That, that is what you want. You want it to be real. You want it to be authentic. And you want when, – when my leadership team, like when we had been scattered, we, we're all at different churches now. None of us are at Pillar anymore. We've all spread out and done different things. But when we came back together, we wanted to pray. When it feels like the Blues Brothers getting the band back together, you know you're on to something sweet. That's what you should be aiming for. So I don't, I don't force people to come uh, more and put something on them like, here's the ideal. Guys, we won't meet it unless we come together this many times and live like this ideal that I read about in the book. And if we, re- you know, we want to be like this guy in the book, we, he says we got to do this. Now, what I do is I meet, and, and, and I would have a philosophy. I would tell my church very openly and say, look, if our prayer meeting is good, I don't have to ask you to come. You just come. And my rule was always, I was always telling them, the only reason I won't, I'll stop the prayer meeting is if I'm the only guy there. That's all I <laughs> care about. As long as two or more are there, I'm happy. We can get down to business. Jesus said he'll be there and he'll answer us. So I'm cool if only one other person shows up. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. Um, we, we, the more that we met, the more that we got together, the more that things naturally started up because people asked for it. It wasn't enough for them. To to me, I can't give a number. I can't put a date on it. But I can say to you, like my mentor said to me, keep people hungry in a good way. In other words, you don't want to feed them so much that they're like, no more. I'm so full. You want to keep them hungry so they come back. This applies to preaching. This applies to everything where they just go, I want to hear more of that. Can you talk to me more? Can, can you preach to How can I get more preaching? How can I? And that's not a bad thing. It's not that you're starving. Them. There's a difference between keeping someone hungry and keeping someone starved. You're, 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 you've developed an appetite in them because you've done what you've done so well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my, it, it's not popular. What I just said, it, it's not the stuff you're going to read in books, but uh, it's real. What about School the Book? Will, will you read about it in there? Wait, which one? Jump School the Book. No, my friend. This is a special, unique Band of Brothers insight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is Jump School is such a tome. I actually, to be honest, I forget sometimes what's in there. I, I go through and I go, Wow. I didn't know I wrote this. This is awesome. <laughs> Sometimes I think this sucks. No, I'm teasing, but 
But honestly, you know, <laughs> jump school, it just very may well be in there. <laughs> but I doubt it. That was a great question, Jerry. Cool. Yeah. Thank cool. you. Thanks for answering. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for asking. Well, we just oh, had uh, Robert Fraser jump on the line. Woohoo! What's up, Robert? Let me, let me hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, Robert. Good. Good, to, good to see you, man. Let me let me say too. Please don't think that you can only have one type of meeting. I just mentioned prayer meetings, right? Normally, people think like a midweek Bible study or now missional community or whatever, which that's another type of, that's more of like a discussion or, you know, eating together kind of meeting. Those are great. That's, that's how we do our core team uh, building meetings for nine months. We keep that same format as it goes on, but then we also have a prayer meeting. Here's the deal. There's so many different things you can do. We had um, film club. That was one group that met because people were really into film and they knew they could use that evangelistically to invite their friends. Um, we had, we kept book clubs going. Um, some did well, others did not evangelistically, but book clubs are just fun. There's so many things you can do as a church. Um, like Jerry, what you're talking about was serve the city. Let's just purely go out. Like when we went out, we, we called our deal men who eat meat. That was our, um, when I talk about, uh, 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 cutting people's lawns and hedges and helping sick people, um, doing all that stuff. We literally, we would have the best time. Imagine if you get like 12, 15 guys together and they bring all their grass cutting tools and hedge trimmers and cans of gasoline. They get out there in someone's yard and just go to town. You got like three yards to hit. And then you promise them, look, this is going to take us about two hours to hit these three yards. There's so many of us. We're going to just like make this thing. It's like garden makeover. But at the end of this, I will promise you, this is what I always promise. We will go and eat copious amounts of meat. Um, well, there's a, men's, there's a men's group, right? You get men together. They don't necessarily, except for Pete, want to sit around and talk about their deep feelings, right? I'm teasing. That's like the opposite of Pete. <laughs> but, but when you get guys together, Pete also would not like this, though, because it involves the sun. And he's a ginger, and he burns easy. Well, when you said get all your gardening tools together, I'm thinking I'm supposed to bring my lawnmower man over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you must bring him. But uh, but but the deal is, you know, imagine you get guys together doing stuff. They're on mission, but they're having a blast. We 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 would literally we would go do this once a month. And our guys had the best time. Then we started this thing called Fight Club, which was, um, for lack of a better term, it was uh, to help guys break addictions. It could be addiction to almost anything. There were, there were uh, I won't go into all of it, but anyways, that thing was awesome. I thought about writing a book about that because it was it was one of the most powerful groups I've ever been a part of. And uh, we learned some. We learned how we did stuff wrong. We learned how to do it right. We learned how addictions really get broken. And uh, it was amazing. And uh, so just, you know, be creative. Know that there are a million different types of meetings that you can, you can do to build community and, you know, foster life change and be on mission, all that good stuff. I didn't know if you were just waiting for me of, to, 
respond specifically or <laughs> no no but uh <laughs> I, no, there's no script i just i figure everyone's done that i stopped talking <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen very often that's why it doesn't so um i just so you know i was able to listen in on most of the call on uh on skype while i was on hold for what seemed like forever with uh, <laughs> with the the tax board, but the man. Uh, did you uh, when you started off the call? Just out of curiosity, um, I did miss that part. Did you uh, tell them all about uh, the Jump School DVD and study guide and all that stuff? No, man, go for it. Well, just to let you guys know, you are uh, the first ones who have access to the videos when you log into JumpSchoolTraining.com. Um, you'll see uh core team training video area and um, and you can click on that and you can actually see them there on the website or uh, download them if you want them for your uh, your core teams to go through them and um, and the study guide I just got the proof in my hot little hands yesterday I think I posted something on Facebook about it so Woo-hoo! Uh, so that's that's all done I've approved it and uh and so we've got now the study guides and the dvds and um if you guys by chance also contributed to the kickstarter that stuff's going to be going out as soon as i get those uh study guides in my hand which will probably be end of next week and uh so you know be checking your mail for that as well but you do have uh you do have the stuff on the website already as far as the video so that's on there yeah yeah, and you know what? Your study guide will probably uh, be larger than what appears in the picture. Pete has really big hands. So that book looks small in his hand. <laughs> if it were in my hand, it would look like I was holding a dictionary. Much smaller. Actually, I mean, it's it's pretty good. I just um, I wish you had actually made sense when you wrote it. I mean, you just kind of went all over the place. <laughs> I'm just making stuff up, you know. Filler, filler, filler. Um, good heading, filler, filler, filler. No, I'm teasing. We worked hard on this thing, man. It's good. It's uh, yeah. it is tailor made to the episodes. Um, some of it was taken from the Jump School uh, module. Um, some of it was uh, brand new. We had to brand new create because not all of the content uh, matched all the. Tra- this is for your core team, so <clears throat> we want them to have the same mindset as you. So we're training, we're basically helping you reproduce yourself in them. And so the, the point too of the, the study guide and the videos is uh, obviously the study guide is broken up into seven modules, just like the seven videos. And um, what we'd encourage you to do is to tell your core team to read the module and then you guys can get back together and, um, at your meeting, watch the video, and then dis- there's discussion the questions study guide. in each module. You mean have them read the study guide, right? Yeah, re- read the, the study guide, which is, I mean, it's short, right? It's not like they're going to be like, oh, I can't yeah. read a chapter. I mean, it's, it's like, you know. No, it's, and it's there's, there's questions. It's, it's, it's not a tome. <laughs> yeah, it's not a yeah. tome. It is, no. it, is, it is accurately sized for today's church planning core team member. How's that? <laughs> there you go. 
But I mean, the study quite or the uh, the discussion questions are really good because those are the type of things that once everyone starts sharing this type of stuff and their thoughts on it, um, that's where you're going to really see your core teams gel together. And and even if you're you know part of an established church or you know revitalization effort, man, I would take them through it because I know um, Andrew, I think your church is more of a revitalization type of a scenario than a you know a a standard uh, church plant. Um, and I think, I yeah. think this would be a great thing to start taking people through. Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of the cool deal is, you know, these questions kind of like today, you know, some of the breakthroughs, some of the aha moments that you're getting today, that is literally going to happen um, as you uh, start doing this with your team. You're literally going to have those aha moments on your team. And it's going to blow you away because you're thinking, man, I was wondering, uh, you know, how I was going to convey these concepts to them. You know, I keep telling them, I keep trying to sow vision, but they're not getting it. When you get them together talking about it, really actively engaged just on these topics, it's powerful. So, anyways, yeah, it's there. All seven episodes. Watch them. They're good. And we also yeah. just, uh, we actually submitted the study guide and the videos as a, a special issue inside the Church Planner Magazine app. So um, so we're going to have all that stuff. It'll be easy, easy for everyone to get their hands on. Yeah. Do any of you guys have any of the special editions of Church Planner Magazine where it wasn't like a monthly magazine, but we put together something like a product? Like Paul, uh, Pete has his mailer stuff. Um, I have taking no man's land. We give them away free on the podcast a lot. Um, do any of you guys have those? Yeah, I, I got it. Yeah. So it's that kind yeah, of idea, but it's all, it's all themed. It's, it's this. So yeah, you can literally have it in one digital place, like on your iPad. So that, that was Pete's idea. Most good ideas, by the way, are Pete's. <laughs> Yeah, we're just waiting for Apple to approve it, and then uh, and then it'll be on there. But uh, well, cool. Are there any other questions before we uh, sign off today? Well, did did you question. guys already talk? Oh. Go ahead. Oh, no, go for it. With regards to like uh, to the team leadership and the team teaching. Uh, like you guys were saying, I'm coming into more of a revitalization kind of a situation. And uh, the leadership before me, it was very much all about uh, the pastor. He taught. He also led worship. It was like he kind of did everything. He taught midweek studies. He taught Sunday mornings and everything kind of. He was just like always, it was always just him. And so I'm coming into that kind of an environment and wanting to get it off of that and on to more of a team thing. And what do you do in the meantime? Like, and there's, I'm okay. beginning to identify these guys are gifted in these ways, but they're, when do you start letting people preach Sunday morning sermons, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, if, if they're good and they're guys that you, like sometimes you inherit a leadership team, and sometimes you're like, oh, I inherited this team and it's not a good one. Other times you're like, oh, praise the Lord, this is a great 
leadership team. You know, someone before you uh, led very well, picked the kind of guys you would pick. And so um, what I would say is um, if they're all good and guys you want to keep on, start giving them a once a month deal. Come up with a series that whether it's verse by verse through the Bible or it's topical or whatever it is, <coughs> strategize with them well in advance. Plan out how you're going to break down the passages and assign them about a month out. Hey, I want you on the third week of April. You take this passage. Tell them about the series. Get your guys together and and apportion, you know, that section that that passage to that guy, and say, hey, I'm going to check in on you in about two weeks and check your progress and see how you're doing. You know, see what you're coming up with, and you're tracking with them in case you know. Sometimes they need that. They may they may be able to teach, like Paul says, but they may not be really good at it. So you're going to kind of help them develop. I personally think when you have a team of elders, you as the team leader, even though I believe in team, I believe in team leadership. So normally the apostolic guy is the team leader, you know, for a time until he leaves and then someone else takes that over. But his responsibility is shepherding the team. So I, I make it my business that as my elders are shepherding the flock, I'm shepherding them. I'm pouring into them. Does that make sense? It's kind of Jesus yeah. pouring into the 12, uh, in particular, those three guys, um, you know, and there'll be some you'll pour into more than others. I would pour more into the guys who are going to go out and church plant. That was always my model, and I believe that was Jesus's model. So Jesus is pouring into James, who's going to be in Jerusalem as a powerhouse sender. Then you got uh, Peter and John, and, you know, obviously those are the only three guys we read about. Uh, in in the book of Acts after uh, they appoint Matthias. So in answer to your question, yes, um, do that. The other thing I would say, and again, it's promoting my own deal, but uh, I'm shameless. Um, take them if it's not too much of a, you, you don't have to endorse it. You, you can say, oh, I don't really know if this guy is cracked or not. You can take him through Church Zero. If part of your role is, hey, I want to disciple you, and you don't have to say that. You don't have to like insult them. Hey, I'm going to decide to just start doing it. Just start being the team leader. Just start shepherding them and say, guys, I want to meet, you know, we got to sharpen ourselves. And you just take the lead. You don't have to assert leadership. You just lead them. And so you just say, hey, I want to do this. Um, you know, let's go through church zero. That is going to do the job for you. Does that make sense? And as you discuss it, there is a study guide, by the way, for Church Zero. Um, oh, shoot, I'm trying to remember who made it. Um, there's a couple. Is it called oh, Jump shoot. School? <laughs> Everything's called Jump School. Um, yes, it is the, the Church Zero Jump School Discussion Guide. We just call it Jump School for short. Um, oh, shoot. You know what? It's a, if you probably get it it's if actually you called Google. It's actually called Jump Zero, so, you know, it's a little bit different. <laughs> Man, I am really bummed. I cannot remember. Um, right before I said I'm like, you're not going to remember what it is. Um, my brain is not accessing it, but if you Google Church Zero Study Guide, there was a company who makes study guides. It is online, but I wrote all of those questions out for Church Zero, and you can buy uh, the study guide, it actually is the book with a study guide built into it in digital format. So I just can't remember who does it. It's either like 
I want to say like Mogo Church or something like that. They, <clears throat> but I'm probably wrong. So check that out, and uh, and you can do it with study guide questions. And, and, and let me I share another all thought. A copy of Church Zero to read through, but the study guide would be great to go back through and ask questions and discuss. Yeah, yeah. But let me share another thought too on um, the preaching uh, question that you just asked. Um, one of the things that Chris Langham did at, at our uh, church plant that I thought was a really good idea, he had a lot of guys who had you know no preaching experience whatsoever. So instead of giving them the full hour to preach, um, he started it out going, okay, you're going to take 10 minutes and you're going to cover these verses right here. And then I'm going to come in and finish it off. And like it started with 10 and then it went to a half hour and then it went to, okay, you can do the full, uh, the full service. And yeah. that was his way of training guys up. And it was a really good way to train them up. And, yeah. you know, uh-huh. for, that's for interesting. Preaching. So he do that on Sunday morning. Split yeah. Yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. And, and you tell the church, you, you don't have to hide it. You just say, Hey, so-and-so is going to preach. He's just, you know, starting out. So we need you guys to support him, give him some nods, give him some encouragement. Don't fall asleep on him. You know, boom, boom, boom. You just goof off with it a bit, but you, you be honest about it. They know. And what's really cool about those dynamics is if the church knows that they're helping a guy develop, they get excited about it. You know, and I, what I normally do is when I introduce a guy, I say, you know what? I was 19, 20 years old. And my pastor threw me out in front of a group of about 1600 people. And let me preach to them. And I stunk the place up. But you know what? They loved me. And they got me through it. And they encouraged me. And they told me what things I did well. And they showed me where I needed to grow. But they did it in love. And you guys have that responsibility with, say, Mike or with Ruben or with, you know, whoever it is. And, uh, and, and they, they're partnering. Because this guy might end up being the next Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon was 16 when he started preaching to a congregation. And uh, he started preaching at New Park Street. At, he became their pastor at 17. He started preaching at 16. You know, someone had to encourage that guy. You know? Yeah. I hope that helps. But it really but, uh, it really gets the church, like, they start to really get that, that feeling of we're a church planning church. You know, we're, we're going to be reaching out. We're going on mission, and we're training these guys up. And so you talk about it in your, your services and stuff, and then they start to see it act out right in front of them. Uh-huh. And they start to get the picture. They understand what your church is all about. That's good. All right. Well, guys, I have to hop off because I have a coaching session starting up. So good to see you guys or hear you guys or talk at you guys and uh, answer your questions. And thanks for joining us today for Man of Brothers. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, Leave us a positive review. 
The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.